This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And Lord, I love you in Jesus' name. Speak to us today. Amen and amen. All right, guys. uh, You ever have those moments that make you feel real, real old? Yeah, they're getting increasing. You know, the other day we're riding down the road and Charlie was talking and he said, yeah, back in the ancient days of the 1900s. (laughs) I was like, yeah, those ancient days of the 1900s, right? And and then Friday, I go out with some of the youngest staff members and interns of the church for lunch, and and we're talking about how some phrases have changed. And you got to be careful what you say nowadays, because they they don't mean the same things. And and, and you get yourself in trouble, literally. I'm not going to get off into some of those, because some of you will be thinking about all that instead of my sermon this morning. But there's actually a, a lot of study going on about how our language has changed, how words that once meant one thing now don't mean that anymore. And and there was actually a man who wrote an essay, uh, and the essay's name was called On Liberty. And, And this essay used as its best example of a word that once meant one thing that now means something else, the word that he used as its best example of the change that occurs was the word Christian. That the word used to mean one thing, and the essay purported that Christian has changed because Christians have a wonderful way of saying things. They have a beautiful way about talking about things, but in actuality, they don't really believe what they say. I mean, think about a few of those phrases for just a moment. Uh, Christians love to say, judge not lest you be judged. It's better to give than to receive, or if someone asks you to go a mile, go a second mile, go two with them. And it goes on and on and on with the great teachings that we have. So I want us to just look at this list for just a moment and, and see if we really think we, we believe these things or not, okay? I mean, as the word Christian is changing, do we really believe these things or not? Let's look at these lists for just a moment. Do I believe these things? Okay. Do we believe that it is better to give than receive? Amen? All right. Good, 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 good. It, do we believe that, that you should love your neighbor as yourself? Jesus said that. Do we believe that? These are all commands of Christ, and if you want to be a Christian, he said, these are things that you have to do because this is the way of Christ. So, uh, and the last one, if someone asks you to go a mile, then go two. Come on. We believe these, right? Can I get a resounding amen? We believe these. That's good. We believe these things. All right. Now let's take another look at them for just a moment. I want to reword them just a moment, but let's take another look at these for just a moment, and I want to say, okay, do we do them? Let's reword that that first one, okay? Uh, I give more than I receive. Oh, okay, that's a hard one. I'm sorry. It's a bad place to start. Second, I love my neighbor like myself. Some of you are like, you do not know my neighbor. He is a jerk. But it's the teachings of Christ. The third one. Go the second mile. It should really, in our language, say, I go beyond what people expect of me. A lot less amens than the I believe section. I mean, it's true, though, right? Y'all are sounding like the first service. Come on now. It's true. We believe more than we do. 
There are a lot of things about our health that we believe, but we don't practice. And there's a lot of things about our faith that we truly believe. I mean, I believe that. Check, 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 check. But when what I believe and what I do don't match up, there's a word that people always associate with Christianity now, and they call it hypocrite, hypocrisy. That's people who say one thing and do another. So, so with that in mind and thinking about how words have changed, why has the word changed? Well, well, they surveyed young adults in America and 84% of young adults surveyed said they know, they know somebody that claims to be a Christian. And only about 15% of them would say that, that Christians aren't any different than anyone they know, that most Christians are about the same as everybody else. And here's what we know. You are what you are, not what you tell people that you are. I mean, that's just the truth. You are what you are. We can make a living out of running the game, playing a scam, working someone. But sometimes all of that comes crashing down because we really are who we are. You see, because of this changing in our society of the word and the view of Christian, 49% of young people say, they have a negative perception of, of anyone who calls themselves a Christian. That's three times greater than it was just a few decades ago. So we have this rising tide of, of negativity because the word now doesn't mean what it, we think it means. The word uh, Christian has changed. And in the book Unchristian, uh, the author that talks about what uh, Christians' perceptions are, that, that the word Christian now, when you say that, people think judgment. People think hypocrisy. People think it's a political party. People think that it's anti-someone. That Christian means you're insensitive. That Christian means you're boring. That Christian means you're confusing. And you know, I, and I have to address that boring one for just a moment. I said to one of our young adults that was on this last mission trip with me, I, I leaned over to him and said, yeah, you'll start living someday as they were experiencing the wilds of Africa. I said, yeah, you'll start living someday. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know how everybody always says someday, I'll just got to live a little while before I serve Jesus. So I don't know how ruining your life is living when that young person was seeing the world that most people will never see because they're pursuing the life of Christ. But see, there's a misconception. Very, 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 very few, just a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people surveyed, this was their response when they said the word Christian. Some said love, respect, trust, and hope, but it was almost so insignificant it wasn't included. So there's the heart of the issue. I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about that the perception that people have is wrong, and the only way we can change it is by asking ourselves an honest question. To be a Christian means we act like Jesus, so do we act like Jesus? And straight up, do we act like Jesus? In the way that we respond to others, is it like Jesus would respond? Or do we believe it in our heads and then go live a different set of principles? I mean, the book that I mentioned to you, I'd like to give you a quote about it. It says, when, when the world sees Christians not acting like Jesus, they quickly conclude that the group deserves an unchristian label. Modern-day Christianity no longer seems Christian. And to find that concept, you don't have to go much further than just to your neighbor, to your coworker, Because they're negative perceptions. Think about when you start witnessing to someone, people go, I don't want to have anything to do with that because of so-and-so. Dad and I were riding down the road the other day and we were talking about a teacher he really enjoys and how he is such a profound teacher but he can be so far off in one way and it's all because of the abuse of a stepfather who claimed to be a Christian 
And the guy pushes himself so far the other direction. I mean, so we got to get to the core of this. And the core of Christianity uh, is Christ and, and then Christ's love for the church. And the church is essential to who we are. So today I ask you the simple question. If, if church is central to, to being a Christian, then what must the church be doing? I mean, I love the church. The church has, has been found in my whole life. I, I, I mean, everything about my life somehow has been centered around uh, the church. I grew up a pastor's child. I, I said I met my wife in, in church. I, 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 everything, I love the church. I love the fact that Jesus says that in Ephesians 5 that, 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 that he loves the church uh, and was willing to die for the church. But there's some things the church has to, has to come to reality about if we're being labeled as unchristian and we're supposed to be the, the signature of Christianity to the world. And here's the great truth. The same people that ran toward Jesus in the Bible are running away from Christians today. I mean, they're running for fear. I'm afraid that sometimes we resemble more the Sadducees and the Pharisees who crucified him than those that were with him. Man, y'all are doing the same thing as the last service. But it's truth. We have been called to serve Christ and to live out his principles. And some of you are going, but I can't change my whole life. All right, all right, let's deal with that. You might not be able to re rearrange everything when you walk out of here today. As a matter of fact, if you walk out of here today and say, okay, I'm going on a supersonic diet and I'm going to change everything, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. It's, going to, it's just going to end. But if you go out of here saying, precept upon precept, line upon line, I can begin to do this one thing better for Jesus Christ. I can begin to step forward. And if it's love my neighbor as myself, then praise God, I'm going to smile and be nice even when the jerk does do something wrong around my house. You may not be like me, but I have a neighbor whose dog always comes to my yard for things that should be done in their yard. Come on now. I'm like, why not your yard? Why mine? But you know what? That does not change the fact that they need Jesus. Am I preaching truth? People ought to be able to run toward Christians because they're loved, even if they do things Christians don't approve of. I had a friend that went into an environment of a school and in this school, because of the style of school it was, there were a lot of people who lived in a lot of uh, just really uh, ways that are contrary to what Christians believe. And I was so impressed when I walked into that school to find that, that those uh, young people loved this person. Why? Because they didn't allow what was wrong with them to keep them from showing what, them what was right with Jesus. This is truth. And I'm afraid sometimes we've changed the word. We forget that Jesus came to earth so that He could walk among us right where we are. God became flesh. And Scripture uses words like high priest and mediator before God because God relates to us. He relates to our, our weaknesses and our struggles. The incarnation of God becoming man and knowing our suffering and circumstances has to be, has to be key to who we are because God's heart began to break for man and He, had, he did everything possible to change the, their situation. Get this carefully. To be a Christian is to know God's heart and to live it. But find out what's breaking God's heart and get involved in fixing it. A lot of times we just ignore the heart of God. We say we're going to do something about it. And I mean, I believe it, but it never penetrates who we are. I'm not talking about having pity. I'm not talking about being sad for people. I'm talking about getting involved and finding out what breaks God's heart and it's starting to break our heart. 
I believe that God has called us as a church to be empowered, as a church to step forward into the power that he has so beautifully laid out for us, but we're going to have to find out what's important to God. We as a church are looking for too many hot topic issues so we can get people involved. What we need to do is find out what Jesus is involved in and get involved in that. And to understand God's heart, we find it right here in Luke chapter 4, the verse that I read to you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to people who are bound so that the blind could see and those that are oppressed would be set free. And I will preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Our Christianity hides words like poor, brokenhearted, deliverance, captives, blind, recovery, and liberty. And then people wonder why their churches are dying. At this church, I want us to set a course that if people are broken and hurting, we know a Jesus who can still heal their lives and change them. Amen. Amen. Do these words cross our minds on a regular basis? Are we concerned with what is breaking God's heart? We are in a generation of young people who are desperate for a cause. They wear keys around their necks celebrating how they helped homeless people in a state they'll never see, people they'll never meet. They go places. They give to things. Uh, uh, they'll say, hey, don't buy me a Christmas present. I want you to donate the money to such and such a cause because this generation is looking for a cause. I have the greatest cause of all. It's the cause that caused God to leave heaven and come to earth and die because he's after everyone who's hurting that they might have life. But when Christian doesn't represent Christ, they don't come to the cause. We can't overcome all the world's problems, but we can find out what Christ wants us to do. Now see, there's a verse that's misunderstood, and it's Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And this is a verse, if you grew up in the type of church I grew up in, you heard almost every Sunday. It says, for you will receive power. Come on now, say it you. For you will receive <laughs> Some of you didn't grow up in the church, you have to say it like this. You shall receive power. Come on now, Amen. Power. Amen. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I'm preaching truth now. Amen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to what? To be my witnesses. Are you ready for this? I mean, it's going to be a revelation for some. God did not send the Holy Ghost just so that you could manage to stay saved. Some of us think the power is just there to keep me from failing. That's not what he said. You shall receive power that you might be so set free that other people can see what God has done in you. You shall receive power that you're not worried constantly about whether or not you're going to fall back because you settled that at Calvary. The world behind you, the cross before you. No turning back. No turning back. We must follow Jesus. We've got to settle the matter. And then the power comes into our lives. When the matter is settled, I realize that what I'm going to do today is going to show my coworkers, show my neighbors, show my children, show my spouse who Jesus is inside of me. And the power comes on me to live it out in by faith because that's what the Holy Spirit came to do, to cause you to come from where you were, to be something better, to be something stronger. We don't want you to be better because we want you to be like us. We want you to be the best image of who God created you to be so that you can become like Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit came, so that you might have power. I made it almost the whole sermon without yelling and screaming, but I'm there now. I feel this because witness and power are linked in the Scripture. They are linked. The Holy Spirit has come so that we might find out where God wants us to take the light of what we found and go into a lost and dying world. 
The word Christian may have changed. So we have to understand we don't have an image problem. We have an action problem. We need to change the way we act. You have to walk away from the water cooler when they're talking about your boss bad. You have to excuse yourself when the dirty jokes start. You have to flip the channel. I don't know why I use this example so much, but, but it's one that's so true. I'll be sitting in my home by myself, nobody else around watching television, and one of those, one of those commercials that showing everybody's secrets come on TV. You know what I'm talking about? Victoria's Secrets commercials? Victoria needs to keep her secret secret. Come on, amen. I'm sitting in my house, and I'll do this. Block the TV. And then one day, the enemy said to me, you are a grown man. You are a grown man. Why in the world would you do that? I said, because I want to honor the covenant I've made with God with my eyes. Job said, I will not look upon the nakedness of a woman. Some of you are going, Pastor, I can't believe you got up there and said, well, I'm, I said that to tell you that some of you need to stop watching the shows you're watching, feeling good about the shows you're watching because you like the subplot, but the reality of it is this. The reality is you know you shouldn't be putting that garbage into your mind, and you're like, well, I'm a big, I'm a grown-up. No, you're a, bo- a born-again, blood-washed child of God, and what you put into your life ought to be righteous so that what's coming out of your life is righteous. Can I get an amen? So much so that one of our young people came to me the other day and he said, I've got this great concept. This concept was to how to do something that, that took the enemy's tactics and flip it around for the glory of God because, you know, they'll catch you in the subplot and then they'll throw some sin on you. And because the subplot seems so great, you have to look over the sin because you want to know who killed so-and-so. But the reality is, who cares who killed so-and-so in, your, in the mystery? What we ought to be doing is realize we're not going to let that sin they're trying to put in our lives kill us. Preach, preacher, preach. That's good right there. I need that. Come on now. Amen. I'll do it myself if I have to this morning. Somebody got their handkerchief waving it in the balcony. Come on now. I'm preaching truth. When I was a kid, I got so sick of watching Disney movies, but there was a reason. Now you can't even watch them. There should be a difference. I know the show's probably not on the air, probably on, on your... On your uh, your instant demand accounts, but, but you know, there was a reason why that Christians should not watch Desperate Housewives. I might as well, I've already there. There's, you don't need to know how many shades of gray there are. That preacher then lost his mind. Well, no, I found in it. Come on now, I'm telling you, people, Christians ought to be different. People wonder where the power of the Holy Spirit is is because you're not being a witness in what you're deciding to do in your lives. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be witnesses to say, I can't stay in the movie even if I spent good money for it. If they're going to show that kind of stuff, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to make a statement to the world that I am blood-bought, I am zealous of good works, I am a peculiar people. Am I preaching truth? Pastor Don, we can't live up to this. I'm not trying to tell you, you got to do this, this. When I was a kid, they told you do this, this, and this until 1986, and then they changed the rules and try being a youth pastor, and then you got to go say, the Bible said we couldn't do it yesterday, but today it says we can. No, I'm not giving you man-made rules. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost working in your life. You know what's right or wrong. You know why it's people that have been in a church a long time get to the place they say, oh, the messages aren't speaking to me. You know why they get there? 
It's because they learn to tune out the Holy Ghost voice and they learn to tune out their pastor's voice and before long they've turned out another voice and the thing is, they've been tuning us all out for so long they're not listening anymore. You need to tune in the Word of God. You need to tune in the voice of the Holy Spirit and you need to start obeying it. When He convicts you, do what God said to do. Can I get an amen? That's better. Y'all are awake now. Does your heart break as God's heart breaks? Here's the problem is when Christ followers forget to follow Christ. That's our problem. When Christ followers forget to follow Christ. Let me, let me take you to a verse I want to close with. This verse just spoke to me this week. And I had no clue where it was going. God didn't even let me put it in my notes because I probably would have argued with God because I'm going to use it in closing and it would make a whole great sermon. My second sermon for the morning. When your ex finds Jesus. Come on, some of you thought they need it. Are you ready for this? John chapter 4, verse 28. Here in this story, we find the story of where Jesus says, I have to go, I have to go here. And he meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he shares with her, he said, I would give you something to drink. She says, you don't have any way to give me a drink. He said, I have the living water that I would change who you are. He ministers to her. And after he ministers to her and she finds hope in him, the Christ, this is what scripture says. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people. Now the King James Version, if you have it there in front of you, it doesn't say she said to the people. It says she said, there it is, to the men. To who? The men. Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? Now here's what God revealed to me this week. I've never seen this before. Read the Bible Cover to cover, I don't know how many times, never seen this before. I saw this verse as I was studying. She said to the men, who had she been discussing with Jesus about? He said to her, she said, go get your husband. She said, I have no husband. And he said, you speak right because you've had five husbands. The one you have now is not even your husband. You're just living with it. And then the Bible says she went back and she said to the men. What men has she been talking about? Her ex-husbands. I mean, it's what it says. She said to all these men, then she went and said to the men. She said it to the whole town. But she said to the men, her ex-husbands, can you imagine how they all felt when they saw her coming? Quick, run! I gave her to you. No, I gave her to him. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. And she says to the men, she says to them, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. This is what God showed me from this. They came. Why? Because those who knew her most saw something different inside of her. Those who knew her intimately. Those who knew how she got angry. Those who knew how she lied. Those who knew the way she manipulated and connived. Those who knew her most saw what Jesus had done. And when they saw what Jesus had done, they said, if Jesus can change you, then there's hope for anybody. And they all came and brought their new wives and their new children. And they brought this one and that one. And before long, the town has come and all their lives have been changed. Why? Because the ones who knew them most saw them in such a way. Are you with me? They said, something's different in you. You're not just playing games this time. You don't have just jailhouse religion or weekend religion. Some of us get Sunday morning religion and it's gone by Monday. There's something different. I'll follow this Christ because if He can change you, I know He can change me. 
And I thought, you know, come on now, you know God saved you when your ex says, what's different about you? And that's what God wants you to see. He wants, he wants to so radically change the way you live that even people that know you best see the difference. Stand with me. When your ex finds Jesus, it might just be because Jesus changes you so much. Wow. And yet, here's what we see. We see the love of Christ. Because Christ didn't come to save those ex-men in that day. He came to find a woman at a well who then took what she had found and shared it with others and shared it with others and they all came to know Christ because He came after her. That's where Christianity starts. When you become determined to live in the water of life that Christ has given you. And the change that happens in you is so radical that it changes others and it changes others and the people closest to you say, you used to do this when this happened, but now you do something else you used to run to the bottle you used to run to this you used to get mad and say this you used to throw a fit you used to do this but something has changed inside am I making sense to anybody today? that's where it starts when he came after the one and then it went to all of those that knew her well bow your heads with me who is likened unto our God there is none there is a Savior who has the power to change your life. There is a Savior who has the power to change everything in your life in such a way that even those who know you intimately will see the difference. She'll begin to act like Jesus. You'll become a Christian. Not just someone who's prayed a prayer, but someone who's followed Christ with their whole life. With every head bowed and every eye, closed. how many of you would say in this place with me today, I want to be a better Christian. Can I see your hand? You're joining with my hand, Grace. Put your hands down. Can't you hear him calling you to the well? And you're saying, what can you do to fix my problem? And he says, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. This is the Jesus I've come to declare to you. This is the King I've come to pray with you about. And I'm going to pray for those who are wanting to grow in Christ here in just a moment. But I want to ask you today, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Don, this is not where I thought I was going. I'm just going to obey the Holy Spirit. I know there's some things in my life that are giving people they're giving people an excuse not to love Jesus. I'm living in a way that I want to repent of right now. I want to make some things right with Jesus. If that's you, can I see your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over this place. Put those down. Thank you. Anybody else quickly before I move on? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put those down. All right. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I... I've never really become a true Christian. I might have even prayed a prayer, but I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to meet 
this one who can change my life so radically. And today I make a decision that I will stand by the rest of my life. I will become a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, can I see your hand right where you are and join those that have already responded? Thank you. Are there others? Quickly. quickly. Today's your day. This is your time. Thank you. Are there others? Who will join with these two? That's two in each service so far. Is there another? Is there another? All right, I want you to join hands with someone near you, if you would, please. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we would be born again. And today, we're believing for born-again power to come into your life as we pray a prayer of faith, as you begin this Christian walk. Let's pray this prayer together, collectively as a body. Let's pray. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, from this moment forward, I believe he came for me. He died for me. He lives for me. And by faith, God is my Father. Heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and for the joy of the Lord. For those who just prayed that prayer with me this morning, God, I thank you that you're settling their faith, that this day, here on this day, this is the day that marks the birth of their new life in Christ. And Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that has changed them now. And for those who are saying there's some areas of my life that I must correct, I thank you, Lord, that the power to witness in those areas comes from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for a hunger for the Holy Spirit to come over them that they might know you more. Father, that they would grow stronger. And as they've confessed this weakness, Father, I thank you your strength chases them. And Father, for those this morning who simply say, I know that I need to be a better believer. Father, I pray as I have raised my hand with them. Lord, let us grow. Come on, pray that with me. Lord, let us grow to be like Jesus. Come on, let us grow to be like Jesus. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, come on, give God a praise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.